Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder of CoveyClub.com, where we do everything reinvention. We get very practical about it, and I hope you'll come on over and check out the website and see all that we do there. And I'm also the founder of this podcast. And as you know, we usually spend most of our time talking to people about how they've reinvented themselves. And now that we are well into 160 conversations, I think it's time to add a little spin to this. And we're going to talk about reinventing ideas as well and concepts and health. Um, we'll still have those great conversations with women themselves and their own personal journeys, but we are also going to include um, conversations about things, symptoms, concepts, work, health, all that stuff. Anyway, beginning with today, I am really excited. We have a wonderful sponsor for uh, the next three months, which is Kindra. And they make these fabulous menopause products. And one of the things that we get to do is we get to interview one of the people on their team, Hasti Nazem, and she is a research scientist and she knows, guess what, all about reinventing sleep. And I have to say to you, I have studied sleep and menopause as a consumer for now 15, 16 years. And what I love is this very practical approach um, to figuring out how to get to sleep and then how to stay, to stay asleep. And what I love is Hasty um, used to work on a project that was all about sleep. And so she brings to it some very interesting information and background and studies. And then of course, our friends at Kindra have products that can help you get to sleep, which is fabulous and stay asleep. So I hope you will spend the next half hour with us as we talk to Hasty about all her very practical tips and tricks for not only getting to sleep during menopause, but staying asleep during menopause. Thanks so much. And here she is. Welcome, Hasty. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. Thrilled to be and here. Yeah, and I, what I love is we're here to talk about reinventing a topic, and the topic is sleep, which we really haven't done anything like this. Up till now, we've just talked to people about how they've reinvented themselves. But I love the fact that you have also reinvented yourself. So we're going to do a two-parter. Talk to us a little bit about who you are um, and what you did before and how you ended up doing what you do now. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, so my name is Hasti Nazem. I'm currently the head of product and education at Kindra. Uh, we are focused on all things menopause. Uh, my journey here definitely has had a lot of ups and downs. Um, I grew up pre-med most of my life. I come a fam from a family of 12 physicians, and there was really nothing else you could tell me. Even all through college, I said, nope, this is the only path I know. I've seen nothing else since I was a child, and this is what I'm going to do. But uh, if I'm being honest, the indicator for me every time I've made a transition in my career or on my path has been my mental health. So most of my life, I've suffered with bouts of anxiety and depression. And something I really realized in undergrad as this quintessential pre-med student, 
studying every night in the library, uh, running programs at hospitals, uh, volunteering every spare moment. Um, I was very, very depressed. I also had chronic migraine, um, which was really inhibitory to my being able to thrive as a, as a whole person. I was really just in survival mode, trying to be the most accomplished person that I could be. So uh, right out of undergrad, I actually said, I'm going to try a couple years in finance because I'm very fascinated by the intersection of healthcare and business. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was 22. So I thought, is that healthcare investment banking? Do I become an investor? Uh, do I start a healthcare business or something in health and wellness? And what happened was I was recruited right out of undergrad and I was uh, walked straight into the financial crisis. So I packed my bags and moved to New York. Uh, three weeks into my new job, uh, Lehman Brothers and bankrupt. And that's who had actually recruited me. Oh my uh, God. Oh my yeah. God. My husband was at Lehman, but he left three years before that. Thank goodness. That's yeah. unbelievable. That's pretty unbelievable. And, uh, you know, of course my parents are like, told you I should have gone to med school. I was like, mm, no, I'm still not ready to give into that yet. So I was very lucky uh, that pretty soon after Barclays Capital took me on and I spent four years in a very uh, fast paced, very tough uh, financial environment. But my God, did I learn a lot, you know, at that age to be thrown into the financial crisis. And I was working in risk analytics. So it wasn't even like oh I my was God. in the core of what was like the hyper focus at the time. I mean, it's really funny if you think about it, looking back, I'm wow. this biologist, I'm a biologist who's like, I'm going to learn finance. And um, then it kind of sounds like I'm making this up, but I'm not. Four years later, um, my aunt, who was an OBGYN of 25 years, who is the reason my entire family immigrated from Iran to the US, um, developed ovarian cancer and passed away. Oh my. And she was the impetus of all things passion for healthcare and medicine in my entire family. Wow. And so seeing her go through that and then seeing the impact that she had on thousands of patients in the Washington, D.C. area, I thought, I can't do this financing. What am I doing? I quit my job cold turkey. Uh, I went and slept on my dad's couch, <laughs> saved a couple bucks, and I applied to grad school. And my dad still was saying, what about medical school? And I said, no, no, I'm obsessed with science, but it doesn't mean I want to practice it. There's something else there for me. And I, I can't figure it out. So I went to graduate school. I studied science even more deeply. And I would sit there in class and I'm like, why doesn't everybody know this? Why are we talking about this in the silo of academia or in the clinical setting? I have distinct memories of, you know, studying in the library in Philly. And I'd be like, huh, should I go on like TV one day and like tell people that actually every time they go to the beach and they burn themselves, they're contributing to melanoma risk, like seven to 10 X, you know, these facts would stay in my brain. I felt like no one was really listening. And when I understood it in an academic setting, so in depth, and then I would see it filtered in the consumer market. I just felt like there was a significant disconnect. So I ended up meeting some partners in San Francisco who said, let's start a sleep wellness company because sleep wellness is the underlying issue. I'm sorry, sleep, sleeplessness is an underlying issue to so many other disease states uh, from heart disease to blood pressure issues, depression and anxiety. And I said, this sounds great. So I spent six years building a sleep wellness company um, that 
really work towards teaching how cognitive behavioral therapy, um, better practices, and particular products can help us create routines for better sleep habits. And that would be in conjunction with care from your physician, obviously, if you needed it. Um, (laughs) 10 days before lockdown hit for the pandemic, I told my business partners that I was kind of burnt out on the sleep topic and I was going to leave and go on to my next adventure. And I left my startup and 10 days later, the pandemic hit. So for the second time, my career was gravely impacted by a crisis out of my hands. And that led me to take a few months off for the first time really in my life. Wow. Um, I, I was kind of in shock to be honest for a while thought, okay, well, this is strange. What is the universe telling me? Right. Right. And, um, you know, I got my health in order. I got my migraines under control. It was a nice time for me to really think about what does this all really mean? You know, I can't play victim here. It sucks to be sometimes an older millennial sometimes, you know, had a couple cards against us, but I said, well, uh, this is just another part of my story. And at some point, honestly, the trauma around these things, you kind of get desensitized to it. And especially when you've grown up with anxiety and depression, you're kind of like, well, was I that happy anyway? And something that's interesting that my family and friends have picked up on is I've been in career paths that could be extremely lucrative at a very young age, but I always chose my mental health over that. Thank God. Thank God. Right. And for me, it's really survival. Like I would become so depressed in certain jobs that I couldn't function. And so I thought this is going to work. Um, this is so, a, has to, can I interrupt yeah. for one second? I mean, sure. I feel like that's a trend among the millennials to finally wake up, you know, Simone Biles, all these people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. saying, wait a minute, this is not worth it. We have to, you, you know, we have to take a step back. I mean, my generation, I'm much older mm-hmm. than you. We just beat the daylights out of everything we did because we had no choice and no other. We were so grateful just to get a job and an opportunity. And I think you guys are coming at it from a much healthier point of view and saying, yeah, it's all great. And we want the opportunity, but holy crap, not at the expense of our health. I think it's genius. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I I think part of it is also for some of us, not everyone. um, For some of us in my generation, we played by the rules perfectly, perfectly. I sacrificed everything. I, you know, I didn't party like crazy. I studied, I worked hard. I'm the child of immigrants, uh, scraped up every penny, worked multiple jobs throughout my entire career. And I still couldn't win. That for me was the difference because Mm. I thought I'm playing by your rules. I'm going to the best schools. I'm working multiple jobs. What else do you want? You know, and it wasn't adding up. In addition to that, in some ways, I was lucky enough that my that my mental health issues manifested physically into chronic migraine because I had no choice but to address ah. to address it. I could no longer ignore it because right. I was literally, you know, hiding in a dark room for days. And then when I came out, I'd overperform, you know, wow. thankfully I was able to do that. And then I'd go back into this like hole of just trying to survive. So yeah, I'm being very candid because I a have zero shame about talking about these experiences in my life, but B, because I think it's important to have these voices for my generation where 
it's, oh, get over it. Right. Oh, we had it worse. I, That's right. I'm like, yeah, I'm aware my parents escaped a revolution. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> right. So that was part of it. And um, by just taking those few months, uh, I connected, obviously it was lockdown. So I remotely connected with a few uh, entrepreneurs uh, who we got together and said, you know, how can we help each other get through this and get to the other side? And I ended up looking for jobs in venture actually, because I thought, oh, no, I'm, interesting. I'm, I don't know if I can build another company off on my shoulders right now. I just did that right. for six years. Right. But <laughs> through venture job postings, I found Kindra because we are venture backed. Ah. And I discovered our CEO, Catherine, on, on LinkedIn. And I did some research and I was like, wait a minute. She worked, you know, in healthcare when Clinton was in office. She, mm-hmm. you know, worked in media companies. She worked with Tom Brokaw and now she's turning her life experience into building a brand and a company to change the conversation on women's health. And it's like, I sensed right away that Catherine's intent was not going to be opportunistic because that's happening in menopause. It was, no, I went through this. It was really hard. And I want to talk about it. And the focus is not just consumer packaged goods. It's actually education and awareness. Right. And she proved that very quickly when, you know, she, other companies are like, how do we sell more product? And she's like, I'm going to call Gloria Steinem. And she did. Oh, that's great. <laughs> now, so I, you know, all of that to say, uh, I would never have predicted I would be here, but I could not be as good as I am at what I do right now if it wasn't for every single twist and turn without question. The empathy that I've gained, um, I'm not menopausal, but I understand chronic pain. I understand feeling invisible. I understand a pain that you can't explain to physicians. Yes, I have have, uh, Mm -hmm. cluster headaches, so I know what you're talking about. Uh, we should talk uh, on the oh, side. Yeah, it's a great recommendation for you. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I'm the queen of headache info. So yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about sleep and menopause because what, what Kendra is trying to do, um, and um, I have spoken to Catherine before on one of our podcasts talking about her life and, and her uh, reinvention. But what what they're trying to do is, you know, address all these issues um, and educate you, as you said. Of course, they have products as well. But let's start by talking about, I mean, probably, I'm guessing sleep, I guess sleep probably people would say is the most disrupted part about menopause. And, you know, you can live with the sweats, they're uncomfortable, but you can't live without sleep. And that's the really tough part about it. Mm-hmm. So what can we talk about that, you know, explains what is going on with menopause and why is your sleep interrupted? And mine, I remember I had to get some sleep medication because I was sweating so much at night. It was waking me up. I was getting hot and cold and sweating and cold and hot. And so that <clears throat> definitely was, a, you know, a physical, you know, mechanical factor, but what else is going on with sleep? Sure. So I'll do a really quick rundown of what's happening on the cellular level 
because I find that the more I can educate on what's happening, the less anxious we feel like we're losing a sense of control. Like, why is this happening? And so if we can name what's happening, then we can sort of address how it presents itself or manifests itself physically. So a very simple high-level understanding of menopause and sleep, as far as the mechanics, is that when you approach menopause and go into postmenopause, over time, there's an overall marked decline in estrogen and progesterone. So people think like one day you wake up and you stop producing these two hormones. That's not the case. It, it fluctuates over time, but the decline overall is what is playing a factor in certain things that are impacting sleep. And those things can include a structure in the brain. It's called the hypothalamus. We'll just call it a, a switchboard. The switchboard is kind of sending signals all over the body, tons of messages, and estrogen is one of the regulators. So when estrogen starts to decline over time, as we age, the, the switchboard is actually dysregulated. And it's not clear exactly how to perfectly systemize your sleep cycle the way that it used to. So there's a small gland in the hypothalamus, the pineal gland, that actually helps to systemize your circadian rhythm. So when we're younger, it pretty clearly understands, you know, throughout the day and from the morning, you have higher cortisol because cortisol is actually helping you get through the day. It's like the stimula, a simulatory hormone. And then as you approach evening, you have melatonin being produced in more amounts. And that's what's helping us. Obviously, I think we all are pretty familiar with melatonin supporting sleep. What a lot of people don't know is that melatonin is naturally occurring. So some people think it's just like in your supplement or, you know, in, in some type of regimen for sleep support, but it's actually, you produce it on your own, but it's dysregulated as we age. So that's, what's kind of happening from a more technical standpoint, but the way that it can present itself as it relates to menopause is that that same switchboard is not just impacting your sleep cycles, your circadian rhythm, but also your body temperature. So that's uh -huh. where the conversation. <laughs> Yeah. About hot flashes and night sweats comes in. So hot flashes and night sweats mechanically are pretty much the same. It's just, does it happen during the day or does it happen at night? Right. And up to 85% of women in menopause experience these episodes. So it's, it's a very, very common symptoms. And what's happening there is that because of this dysregulation of our body temperature, uh, you're flushed in trying to cool the, cool the body and cool the skin. And that can feel very, very uncomfortable. It can last 30 seconds. It can last five minutes. And what's even more interesting, some women can actually experience them for up to seven years. So they might not be the same level of um, occurrence in all women. And not every woman who experiences menopause has them. But when you do, it can have a pretty adverse impact on sleep because you may wake up throughout the night. I mean, some women tell me they're soaked like their pajamas. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Yep. You're so sure. wet. You have to take it off. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to get up. You got to take it you off. Do. If you have a bed partner, like I've yeah, heard it's nasty. I embarrassed or uncomfortable yeah. Yeah. Um, sleeping with the fan on. And then yeah. there's part about having anxiety about even falling asleep. Yes. You're yes. waiting for that night sweat to kick yes. in. We'll, we'll oh, talk yes. a lot more about that. That mindset is really, right. really important. Um, so, and then obviously if you're being woken up throughout the night, um, or just not sleeping as well, if you're feeling a little bit more stressed than usual, that can also be because 
Just as I said that the melatonin secretions, which would normally tell your body it's time for bed at night, actually the higher levels of stress for women over 50 can contribute to cortisol not tapering off throughout the day. It might still remain too high at night. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's going to contribute to keeping you awake as well, because you may be feeling anxious or experiencing some bout of depression, which is preventing you from calming down to fall asleep. So it's really, really interconnected and it's quite complex actually, but I really like talking about it on this high level, at least so that everyone can kind of take away from them what resonates with them and kind of run with that into their research. Like, do I feel like I can't fall asleep or do I feel like I can't stay asleep? These are two separate questions that we could you know, talk about all day long. So let's talk about falling asleep. Mm -hmm. What are the solutions? Because that is, you know, what are the, you know, solutions that are OTC? What are the solutions that we can change ourselves? I mean, there is a lot of research out there about shut the damn computer off and get (laughs) off, get off the blue light kids, because Mm -hmm. blue light is suppressing your melatonin from what I understand. Mm -hmm. And so what are the things, what are the things that we can do that start with that? Well, I'll, I'll hop off the blue light comment quickly because I do think it's becoming something that's like in every article and it's kind of glossed over and we don't really fully understand, but I want to remind us there's scientific basis and all of that. And we tend to dumb it down a little too much sometimes. And so there's a part, there's, there's a cluster of cells in that hypothalamus that I was talking about that actually registers light as a cue to signal the rest of the pathways that it's time for bed. And so when we're actually impacting that adversely with all of the blue light exposure, there is direct impact. So this sounds really silly, but I'm a tactical person. And I always say, what are the tiniest, most tactical and practical things I can do to first start addressing this? Number one, very simple. Every device I have has a blue light filter. Hop on Amazon, (laughs) please. Get it on your laptop, get it on your uh, cell phone, get it on your iPad, get it on every device that you have. It's very simple and it's a very cheap way to reduce some of the exposure that you're getting throughout the day into the night. The second thing is we definitely say without question, you know, we're binging Netflix, you know, on our laptops, even if the TV's not in the room. This Mm -hmm. is something I dealt with for six, seven years in sleep wellness. They say, I don't have a TV in my room anymore. It's like, oh, but aren't you on TikTok watching dog videos until three? Let's let's be honest about that. So one thing that I've really talked to a lot of women about is creating that actual ritual that works for you. If you're not someone who enjoys meditating, I understand without question, the science is there. Meditation and mindfulness is incredibly impactful for reducing cortisol, but maybe you're just not there. Maybe it's not what you want to do. Maybe you're going through something really hard and you don't want to sit there and meditate on it. I understand. So I'm all about finding options that work for you. One of the easiest rituals that we developed over a few years, and then now I've brought it into Kindra specific to menopause is a bath time ritual. Uh, We create bath products that are specifically made for the shifts that are happening in your body when you're postmenopausal, take the bath after that. So the journaling, we talk about this a lot. I will not say the words gratitude journal ever. You'll never catch me saying that. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. I, because, and I'll tell you why, when you are going through it, sometimes it's very hard right. to say, this is enough for me to get through the night. Sometimes it's not, and that's okay. So one of the recommendations we have is cognitive behavioral therapy helps us target those anxious thoughts that you're having at night that are preventing you from falling asleep. And it helps you negate each one by one. So on our site, we have a journal, tons of info on it. One of those things is I brought in a personal friend who is a psychotherapist and has worked uh, directly with women experiencing chemotherapy uh, due to breast cancer at UCLA. And I said, can you help us put together some cognitive behavioral therapy journal prompts for menopause? I'm like, what would that look like? Let's just talk about it. Mm. <laughs> let's, just, let's just chat about it. What does that look like? And I'm like, wow, this is very specific to menopause. For example, these hot flashes are never going to end. I'm going to have this the rest of my life. This right. is going to ruin my life. Right. I'm never going to recover. Right. That's not hundred percent true. It's frustrating. It's not fun, but it is temporary. How can you negate that thought or feelings of, um, we have a lot of conversation about how your relationship is impacted your intimate relationships. And that can impact how you behave around bedtime. Sure. So can we kind of talk about that if you're journaling and then negate that negative thought? And there's science behind this. There's people who are literal experts in cognitive behavioral therapy. So we thought, all right, we're going to put that on our site, download this, go print it, read about it, create your own journal. And it's not going to be, you know, one, two, three, I'm grateful for X, Y, Z, do that right. if it works, right. but here's what works for me. And what works for a lot of the women that I speak to in our Kindra community, which is put a T-chart, it's called automatic negative thoughts. You put down the automatic negative thought that is looping through your brain all day, all night, when you're going through this really uncomfortable transition mm -hmm. and next to each automatic negative thought, can you write what may actually be based in reality or truth? And if there's something that's really, really bothering you and keeping you up or causing you anxiety, and it is true. Maybe that's the direction you can ask for some help, reach out and ask for some help. So the solutions can be as small as I'm going to buy a cooling mattress pad because my mattress pad is making me very hot yeah, or it, it can be, it can really be psychological. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I mean. Menopause from what I'm understanding from the women who are always so open and candid with us is making you feel like you're out of control of yes. your own body, a body that you spent decades becoming familiar with. Yes. And you feel overwhelmed. Where do you start? And first of all, no one is alone in that. And second of all, it, the odds are really are against you. It's very frustrating. Every organ on your body has an estrogen receptor. So if estrogen is having an overall decline and it was helping to regulate so many things, you're not crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. There's just shifts that are happening to your body that of course, women are experiencing 10 X compared to what men go through right. <laughs> yet another thing. Right. So we try to really break down the solutions just enough, just chew enough at a time. Is it a journal? Is it like I had said, I mean, I'm a hot sleeper since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Cooling mattress pad has been one of the best investments I have made. I am mm. not sponsored by anybody. I don't know anyone. I just ordered one online. <laughs> and you think it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Because if you have certain kinds of mattresses, they're actually trapping the heat. Yes. So, right. So let's get tactical. And then let's talk about those higher 
higher conversations, you know, the journaling. <laughs> That's so. great. Yeah, no, the journaling, we we talk about all those different things, not quite as specifically as you do, yeah. which is great. And then, um, and you, the bath product, I will just tell you that taking a bath, I'm a bath junkie. So that mm-hmm. definitely unwinds me. I, you could find me in a bath every single night. And um, I know you guys have some bath products because some people find that they get extremely dry and it hurts the vaginal wall, right? And it adds, yeah. it adds to, to issues after menopause. Do you want to talk about that just quickly? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. That's uh, uh, Some of our new products are really pride and joy. They come from, uh, they're all a labor of love. Um, I was researching bath products last summer. And I, de- I developed and sold a bath product for, you know, seven, eight years that was sleep focused at sleep inducing extracts. Not once did I think about vaginal pH didn't right. come up in those eight years. Right. Right. And then when I'm studying menopause, I thought, wait a minute, right. the vaginal pH is shifting and, and it's actually becoming more alkaline. It's higher on the pH scale as a result of the estrogen decline that's resulting in very dry, sensitive, intimate skin that can be really, really uncomfortable. And then I thought, well, bath products typically do have a high pH. So why are we soaking in something that's only going to contribute to the discomfort? So we specifically formulated a product, uh, hand in hand with my chemist and our OBGYN advisors. Cause I said, I don't want to just understand this from a perspective of the chemical structure of the formulation. I really want to also understand it from a clinical perspective. Right. And we developed a product that did exceptionally well in consumer studies. And it was really exciting because it wasn't just, wow, finally, like vaginal dryness used to keep me up mm-hmm. because I was so itchy and uncomfortable mm-hmm. and inflamed. Mm-hmm. And now I have something that I can soak in to kind of quell that discomfort and calm me down a bit. And then we paired that. So back to the ritual that I was talking about earlier, right? Again, in my last business, I had a sleep mist and that had sleep inducing botanicals that I said, kind of use this as your cue. When I take this mist out, it's time a for cue. me to start my, yep. Back to the CBT, right? Start the misting. That's going to cue your brain. It's bedtime turn on whatever music it is that you're comfortable with or meditative music or anything. I mean, I listen to Celine Dion before bed sometimes, whatever it is that (laughs) makes me feel, you know, comfortable and safe and nostalgic, whatever that is. And so then I'm reading about menopause and I thought, well, I know that misting has been a really helpful part of developing a bedtime ritual because you don't want your ritual to feel like a chore. You want it to feel like something that you enjoy. And so we developed one that's a, has a cooling agent that's clinically shown to cool the skin for at least two hours. In addition to that, it's developed with a peptide for sensitive skin. So we're kind of creating these all-in-one tools that can be your go-to. And what's helpful is in consumer studies, uh, we filtered out the women who said that their night sweats, especially, and their hot flashes were very disruptive. I was like, give me the woman who is suffering. Like, I don't want the woman who's like, oh, maybe here and there. I'm like, I want to know, does this work? If you're literally feeling terrible throughout the day and terrible throughout the night because of this, this, you know, flashes of heat and discomfort and hundred percent of women reported an improvement in the severity. And it's because we actually explained to them if it's before bed, 
can you do your misting ritual 20 minutes before you go to sleep so that you can actually already feel cool before sleeping and take away some of that anxiety? And two, if you can actually have it with you on the go and you're experiencing that hot flash, can you just take a couple minutes to breathe, to ground all those amazing meditative rituals that we're all starting to incorporate into our lives, just add another product to it. That'll actually physically cool the skin. And you can kind of feel calmer and cooler throughout the day or throughout the night. So I'm trying to target sleep very, very uh, specifically because the other symptoms like brain fog, mental clarity, mood, fatigue, all those things that are impacting women at a period of their lives where I want them to be thriving as much as possible in their right. careers and their life, however right. it is, right. you know, I don't want half this planet to be walking around like zombies from lack of sleep. And if something as simple as cooling the skin can help, let's do that. It's very tactical. It's very practical, super easy. We are almost at the end, but I want to ask you, can we quickly talk about very fast about mm-hmm. staying asleep? Cause that's another problem. Sure. So what's happening there is because a night sweat can actually trigger adrenaline you're feeling, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. So now again, not anyone's fault. It's just your body is having this kind of, reaction. you know, uh, reaction. So if you are woken up, I suggest disconnecting from what woke you up. So that's why we say keep, keep some type of cooling agent or water or something in your nightstand. Even if it's like a bit of lavender or something like that, you want to disconnect the brain from what just happened. Is it a scent? Is it an aroma? Can you go to the bathroom for just a minute and just like, you know, rinse your face? You don't want to stay in that exact mode that you were in because then that's sometimes how the anxiety gets impacted. So to stay asleep, the more that you do in your bedtime ritual, the more likely you can reduce the chance of actually waking up throughout the night. Interesting. Interesting. It's an investment on the early on. Make that investment, right? That 15 minutes. What is that difference to you? Okay. And you're very, um, I mean, where does meditation fit in for those of us who like Mm -hmm. meditation? Um, How does that help? I mean, I use meditation to go back to sleep. It definitely helps me. Well, we definitely found for those six years in sleep wellness, uh, I ran sleep wellness workshops across the country. And we had, you know, hundreds of women in a room who told us we can't sleep. And we would set up a yoga mat. We would set up all these sleep inducing products around them. And we would teach them these nighttime stretches. Like you can even Google like 10 minute bedtime yoga. Right. Mm -hmm. But what was key was that meditative part. Mm. So sometimes I think we define meditation as (laughs) put on a very specific kind of music and hold your hand to your heart. And and that's all, that's great. And that works, but not everyone can reach that state so easily, especially those of us who are very wound up or or feeling like you're going from a hundred to zero at night. It's not feasible for everyone, depending on your job, depending on if you have kids, depending on your schedule. So that meditative state may also be reached with some movement. So to me, what helped for sleep was to divine that meditation. It doesn't have to be just sit in the spot and like shut down all your thoughts and not move. Maybe it's meditating through those breathing rituals, through those stretches, through those 
relaxing activities? Is it in the bath before bed, like you said? So I th- I invite women who are you know looking to incorporate meditation into a better sleep habit to define what that means for them. It doesn't have to be the quintessential definition of meditation that we think about. Make it easier for you to try a new habit so that you're not going to consistently feel like you're failing at it. Wow. Awesome. Incredible. Hasty. You're absolutely amazing. And I love your story. And I love, I, you know, I have been researching sleep issues for, you know, I ran more magazine for eight years and now five years doing this. And, um, a lot of those things I have not heard so specifically. So thank you. Those are really different. And I think, um, women can definitely take a lot from this that they can use for, I love the fact you're so practical about it. And that's very helpful. Um, because as we know, it doesn't do anybody any good if we can't implement. And that's the most important part of it. That's right. And when women are sleep deprived or feeling fatigue, uh, what are we going to do? Throw out a 10 step program or ritual, you know, let's recognize that we're tired and we can take on so much at a time. So just shift the behavior one little step at a time, be really gentle with yourself and, you know, eventually you can get there. And always remember that if the sleeplessness does not go away with some of the easier tactical things or lifestyle habits or changes, it's always helpful to talk to your physician because women post-menopause are two to three times more likely to experience sleep apnea, which is an important oh. medical condition to treat. So I'll leave that nugget there. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Always important to know when to call your doctor versus when you can navigate it yourself. Most often you can navigate it yourself, but always good to know. That's great. Hasty. Thank you so much for this great information and what a wonderful thing you've got going with the Kindra. And I love the fact that you're bringing all your passion and all your history together in one place. I love it. It's fantastic. Thank you so much, Leslie. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this great conversation about sleep. And I hope you enjoyed listening to Hasty's story about herself and also about the research that she brings to the products at Kindra and the products that they have to offer to solve these crazy problems with menopause. And I hope that if you are looking for ways to reinvent various issues around your life and also yourself, you will mosey on over to cubbyclub.com. Come on in and join this incredible group of women. We are loving, we are caring, and we are getting it done. We are there to hold a space for you while you figure out what's next. You don't have to come into Covey Club um, and know what you want to do next. In fact, we find that most women come to Covey Club to discover what it is they want to do next. So check us out, take a subscription, Hang with us, meet these amazing women. I mean, Hastie is just one of those fabulous women, exactly like the women you'll meet at Covey. And we join in and actively help you figure out what you're going to do next. If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling unsure, if you're feeling adrift, some of my friends call me up and say, I feel like I'm stuck and I'm getting old. And I say, you shouldn't feel that way because there are solutions. 
So I hope you'll come over and enjoy and join Cubby Club and enjoy us. I hope you'll also listen to what Hasty had to say and give some of those products a try. They are a sponsor and we're really grateful to have them. So come join us again when we have our next podcast. Take care.